Good morning, everybody. It's time. It's Thursday. It's not Friday, 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 but it's Thursday, third, Thursday. And I can you dwell in the fire? Can you stand in the fire? It's time. I got some great movie clips. I got some great teaching for you. And I'm kind of in a fire right now because I got a family flood emergency. So let's get this show on like this. Todd is not only a remarkable successful 30-year titan in business with having multiple businesses that generate multiplied millions of dollars. If that plan happens to be to build a million-dollar company, which I can help you do. But he's humble. He's a man of God. He's a family man. The world's news organizations are built on everything but positivity. He is an influential entrepreneur and business speaker for over 30 years. I've got to forecast. I've got to pronounce. I've got to project. I've got to share with you my ideas, my vision, my goals for not only myself, but for you. That's why he's came up with his incredible concept of taking and creating a platform for people that are wired differently. And you got to understand that your habits of your person and your habits of your business and your habits of your spirituality have to lead to the North Star of who you are. We need to figure out who we want to be in life. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, everybody. Man, this morning has turned out to be like uh, cray cray. I, I, I get here late last night. We go shopping. My wife and I get everything put together. My daughter's with me. I run into her at the airport. It was, let's, if you watch the social media, you can see some of the fun stuff that we had happened yesterday. Thanks, Chad, for getting that up. And I appreciate everything everybody's doing in this social media, this uh, wired a differently world that we're engaged in. So I come to the studio this morning and lo and behold, it's a blessing. My old church, Sun Lake Community Church is actually out there having a meeting right now. And I shut the door and I'm like, you guys don't worry about me. And they're like, go get it, Todd. What a cool thing. So Bill Church and Jeff and some old, old, old friends. And so what a great blessing this morning. It's a 20, 30 year old church that I helped start back in the way back here in Angola, Indiana. So they're just kicking it. And I'm just so grateful to be uh, a part of that here in the Water Do- Wire Differently studio this morning. But man, I've got a great follow up message I want to share with you today. The six traits of my fire dweller leadership friends, right? So yesterday we talked about Isaiah 33, 14, 16, Isaiah 33, 14 through 16. And the beautiful thing about that verse was, is that it taught us to stand in the fire. It was God talking through Isaiah, the one of the greatest prophets the world has ever known. I mean, he was calling out Jesus 700 years before it even happened. He talked about it in Isaiah 53. We shared that a little bit. And so I just want to bring up to speed with kind of the mentality I had yesterday and in this idea of standing in the fire. And what I wanted to challenge all of you with on this show today and to follow up from yesterday is, is that we are called to stand in the fire. We are called to be what I would call fire dwellers. And I read the verse, and I'm going to read the verse again, but I I just want to kind of tell you the story about Bart. Yesterday, I told the story about Bart, but I kind of just want to double down on it and and kind of give you the framework of my thought process of kind of an idea of a worldly fire standard. I was 1987 or something like that. I had to be 1984. I was a freshman in college, and uh, I had just barely met my wife, and I was in Schwam Hall, and I was running around with some older guys, and playing football. And one of my uh, leaders of the team and the guys I looked up to, his name was Bart. He was like a six foot seven, 250 pound 
defensive end. And he was a great guy, still a great guy. And I, he's, he's a very accomplished man to this day. But the story I had to tell about Bart was is that sometimes he got to drinking. And we all got to kind of partying and playing around in college and doing what college kids do. And he would change his name from Bart to Bert when things got a little bit, a little bit saucy, right? Well, one afternoon we were when we were talking about putting this party together. And so we put a party together and the evening came around. And every one of us uh, on that floor kind of gathered in this one particular room, about 14 or 15 of us were in this room and it was a, a party and we called it a private kegger. And someone got really wise, probably one of my friends. I know his name, but I'm not going to bring it out right here. <laughs> <laughs> but he, he figured out how to drill a hole through the wall on one side of a room and run the, the kegger cord through the wall and bury the tapper in the side of the wall with a with a with a little shelf that would come up and down. So you couldn't see the tapper. You couldn't see the keg hose going to the other side of the room. So we were all hanging out over there having a few cocktails or whatever, a beer. We were only drinking beer at that time. And honestly, I don't think I had very many, if any at all. But at the end of the day, I was part of the process, right? And so all this is going on. And here's what goes on, man. Some, oh, sometime midway through the evening, you hear a knock on the door. I got to do a knock on the door. I do Hello? This is R.A. Snodgrass. Oh, no, it's the R.A., right? So we're like, oh, we got to let him in. So everyone kind of covers up and everything. They can't see the keg or anything in there. So he let him in. He looks around and goes, I heard that there's some alcohol right here. Well, uh, we don't see any. He looks around. I smell alcohol. We said, well, we don't have any. He says, I looks like those cups have alcohol. Okay, we have a little bit here. No big deal. He says, well, I could probably not look at it or I could look at it. But anyways, he chooses to basically leave at that particular time. We think we're kind of out the door. We stay right there. He leaves. He comes back, knocks on the door again. All right, it's not grand. I said, oh, we're all in there. Like, here we go. We answered, can we help you? We thought we were all good. He goes, well, I need to see that other room. So evidently he went down the road. Somebody was narking somebody out and said, listen, they probably had a few in there, but they didn't have the kegger in there because they got the hose drilled through the wall. And they were trying to hide the whereabouts of the keg. And so he comes in. The, guy, the kid, the, the student that owned the room next door had to let him in the room, and there the keg was, right in the middle of the room, and there's a hose going from the keg to the other side through the wall. Busted, right? So we got in trouble. The keg was empty. We had to move it out. We had to get through all this stuff, and the party was broke up. And then a month later, we had to go to Dean Ascot, who was the dean of the school, and we had to stand trial for our accused uh, problems. Well, of course, Bart was in there, and he was Bert, and he was part of one of the teams. It must have been 12 of us got hauled into the the, the, the jury court of the school. It wasn't a real police court. It was the college, you know, people going to put us through this trial and see what they're going to do. They're going to kick us out or keep us or suspend us. Well, at the end of the day, the whole trial is going on like this, and Dean Ascot looks at the 12 or 15 of us in the room right there, and he says, listen, I'm going to make this short, man. I've been to college. I know what's going on, but i got to do my job. And we're like, yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir. And he literally looks at all of us, gives us that kind of look of like, man, why do you guys put me through this? <laughs> you know? And, uh, man, I remember just like yesterday. And he looked at the first guy sitting right to his left, and he said, listen, were you in that room? And the guy said, yes, I was. He said, did you have any of that alcohol in there? And he said, no, I did not. He said, okay, moved on to the next guy. He said, hey, did you, were you in that room? And the guy said, yes, I was. Did you have any alcohol? And he said, no, I did not. Next guy, were you in that room? Alcohol. No, I did not. In the room. Alcohol. 
No, I did not. In the room, alcohol. No, I did not. All the way down the line to the very second to the last guy. He says, listen, the second to the last guy in this line. I just want you to know that no one has said that they drank any alcohol in this room. And I'm going to ask you, were you in that room? He said, yes, sir, I was. And he, and he said, did you have any of the alcohol? He says, no, sir, I did not. And the very last guy in the entire room was Bart. Six foot seven, 250 pounds of Bart. He wasn't Bert because he hadn't been drinking before the, the jury meeting, but he was Bart. And the DNS guy looked at Bart and he said, listen, Bart, I've just went through 14 of these guys here and every one of them admitted they were in the room. And every one of them said they did not drink any alcohol. And YRA Snodgrass found a whole empty keg in the room next door. So I need to know, were you in that room, Bart? And he said, yes, I was, sir. Bart, did you have any alcohol in that room? And Bart looked right at him. He looked at all of us. He said, yes, I did. And you could have heard the room go quiet. And he said, Bart, are you trying to tell me that you were in the room with all of these men and none of them drank any of the alcohol and the entire keg was gone and that you were the only one that partaked so I'm supposed to believe, Bart, that you drank that entire keg. Bart looked right at him. He said, yes, sir. I drank that entire keg. <laughs> now, why do I tell the story twice? I told it yesterday because some of you didn't hear it. But today I'm telling it again because, one, I just love the story. Two, Bart is a great, great man. He's still a friend of mine. He wired differently. Turns out that, yeah, maybe he had some little too much fun with alcohol in college. Oh, kind of, we all kind of had sinners and did some things back then, did those things. But he's clearly straightened his life out and he became the greatest high school football coach in Indiana. He's still coaching young men. He's just an amazing, amazing, successful Manchester graduate, amazing human being, amazing overcomer of a lot of things. But the whole point of what I'm trying to make here is, is that <laughs> – I hope all of you have a little Bart in you, man. I learned something. I mean, why would I be a 58-year-old man doing a Christian radio show, a Wire Differently Christian radio show, and I'm, I'm doing a whole piece on Isaiah 33, 14 through 16 about being fire dwellers, being able to stand in the fire, be able to stand up in righteousness of God, right? How, how could I ever parallel that to Bart? In, 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 in the dorm room admitting or taking the blame for 15 men drinking a whole keg. You see, Bart was the last one on the line. Bart was the last one that could actually take the hit for the team. Like, like if he was in the mafia, he would, he'd go to jail, right? He'd serve the time for the team, man. There were football players on that team. There's all kinds. It was like, it was crazy. And we never literally sit there and said like, uh, who's going to take the fall for this? Bart just happened to be the last one in line. Bart just happened to be the guy that really was kind of the ruckus, uh, riotous, kind of the disruptor of the group anyways. And, and he was just that kind of guy. I mean, he, he, was a, he was a fire dweller before I knew what a fire dweller was. He was a stand-up dude. He was someone that was not afraid to say, yes, I am. Yes, I am. That's me.
right? That, that, that I am a Christ follower. I am a Christian. I am not afraid to say Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. Yes, I am a fire dweller. You see the metaphor? You see the parallel here? You see what's trying to go on here and what I'm trying to set up for you this morning? Well, listen, I, I, I have got Isaiah 33, 14, 16 on my mind all last night, all this morning. And I just want to share the six traits of a fire dweller. I want you to understand the six traits that go on with someone who's willing to stand in the fire, to stand in the gap, to be that person that's going to be able to do those types of things when they're called on to be pushed around, when they're called on to be rebuked, when they're called on to be persecuted. Are you that type of person? And Isaiah 33, 14, 16 talks about that. And I just want to read this to you again. I want you to say, so here, Isaiah 33, 14 through 16 says this, who among us shall dwell with the fire, with the devouring fire? Right out of the gate, it says, who among us shall dwell with the devouring fire? Who among us shall dwell with the devouring fire. And when I first read this scripture, I started to think about it. The devouring fire, to my mind, was hell. But I want you to understand, as I read this and I take you through this and I parallel Bart Curtis and I parallel Bart and Bert and all these people that are going on here, who among us shall be like Bart? Who among of us shall dwell with the devouring fire? Who among us will share who stand up in the devouring fire? So what is the devouring fire? The devouring fire is God, the spirit, the ever during, everlasting devouring fire. Who of us among us shall dwell with the everlasting burnings? The devouring fire and the everlasting burnings is this burning desire in us this everlasting spirit in us. So I just want you to understand, we have to flip the script here because we have been conditioned so much to think about hell as fire. But God is now in Isaiah, 700 years before Christ was ever born, talking about Christ is coming and talking about how and who of us are willing to dwell with the devouring fire. Who among of us shall dwell with the everlasting burnings? Meaning that if you step in the fire with God, he is never leaving you. If you step in the fire with God, are you willing to stand up and own the presence? Are you willing to look right at Dean Escott and say, yes, I did. Yes, I am. And I drank the whole keg. Now, of course, Bart, Bart never drank the whole keg. He was just standing up for his peeps. Now, I don't want you to get confused with what I'm trying to say. I don't think drinking a whole keg or lying for your friends is always the best thing or a good thing. I just want you to know from a funny example, a metaphor of how sometimes we are called to do things that are bigger than ourselves, clearly, and we are to stand in the fire for our team. And if your team is Christians, if your team is Christ followers, then you're going to have to stand up to persecution. You're going to have to stand up and you're going to have to hold the line. And that's really what this is all about this morning. Are you willing to hold the line for Christ? Are you willing to hold the line for your beliefs? Because here's what he says here. So who among of you shall dwell in the devouring fire? Who among us will dwell with the everlasting burning? Who, he, who, he, who. So here's what he says to answer that. So if you are willing to live in the everlasting fire, and if you are willing to be in the devouring fire, is that person who walks righteously, speaks uprightly, 
He who despises the gain of oppression, who gestures with his hands, refusing bribes, who stops his ears from hearing the bloodshed and shuts his eyes from seeing evil. Those are he will dwell on high. His place of defense will be the fortress of rocks. That's an eternity. Bread will be given to him forever. His water will be sure. So here's what I want you to do. I broke down the six traits of Isaiah 33, 14. And I just want to make sure that I'm giving you a teaching today because I want you to understand we have a lot of people on here today. Uh, and I'm just grateful for the following and the people growing with this and the things that we've got going on. So it's super exciting. So here's, I just broke this down and I want, I got to get through this and I want to share this with you. And my, my, my home is a flood in it right now. My father's has a flood. I'm just sure if you guys want to pray for that situation, I'll certainly take it. So uh, I got a phone call right at the front end of this show. <laughs> the hot water and the heat is broke at my father's house and they got two inches of water and I've got People go on their way over there, so I'm not, not, you know, I'm doing everything I can do while I'm sitting here. But I just want to share this with you because this is that important to me that I get this message across from yesterday. So we've got the six traits of a fire dweller. If you're a fire dweller and you want to stand up for God and you want to be a stand-up person for your friends and your family and your business and you want to be that person, it talks about here in Isaiah 33, 14 through 16. If you want to understand if you are a fire dweller, if you are someone that could dwell within the devouring fire, or if you want to be of the dwelling of the everlasting burnings, because I think that's our call. I know that that's our call. It's how Isaiah is talking about in the Old Testament. So here we go. We've got integrity is one. We've got, I've got these laid out for you guys, so we can have some fun here. Integrity is one. Yesterday we laid out integrity. Integrity is one. Uh, justice is two. Conviction, positive focus, pure and secure. So if you want to write these down, you're going along with me. I see a lot of you out there. It's kind of fun to do that. Appreciate it for those that are not in a position to type or read or remember certain things. So here's the first trait of a fire dweller. The first trait of somebody that's willing to stand up for the greater good. First trait of somebody who's willing to lead for God in Christ. And I think it's important that you understand as wired differently people. We're to grow ourselves personally, spiritually and profitably. Right. We're wired differently. We're moving our mindset, our mission, our movement and our ministry in the same directions towards God. And we, if we lead with God, the rest will follow and our lives will be blessed. Our businesses will be blessed. Our our, our, our personal um, growth will be blessed. But as leaders, we need to understand that you, don't tell me you don't have anybody to follow you because you need to lead yourself first. And so I want you to look at yourself right now as I take you through these six traits. Right. Right. And number one is integrity. Life in words match. So I want you to think about this. Life in words match. I mean, are you talking one game and living another game? Are you talking one game and living another game? You know, I see a lot of people out there that like to get pop off about politics and say what they would do or what they wouldn't do or what president should do or the president shouldn't do or what the guy Trump should do or shouldn't do or Biden should do or shouldn't do their, you know, I hear them talking big games when it comes down to making uh, decisions in their own life to back their own big mouth actions. They don't do it. Right. You know, I, I, I and I'm not picking on any of you on here because I know you're all perfect out there listening to this show. Right. <laughs> but I know, you know, people like that. 
bam, 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 rap, 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 rap. I'll do this. He should do that. I would never do this. I would never do that. And then, you know, they, they go right out there and they do exactly what they said they wouldn't do because the rest of the world's doing is too hard not to follow their own words. Right. And, you know, I, I've seen enough of it. And so I want you to understand, number one, integrity, traits of fire dwellers. Isaiah's talking about you right now. And I want you to have these traits. I want you to have integrity. I want you to have your life and your words match. And I pick on myself too, you know, because I if if I don't do the show every day, right? My my life and my words aren't matching the consistency of what I'm trying to accomplish for God's word for you, your personal growth, your spiritual growth, right? And your profit growth. I really want to be that consistent figure. And so and I'm not doing everything right, but as far as integrity goes in this one point point of microcosm that I'm trying to share with you, I, without fail I'm finding a way to keep this thing going because I really feel called to do it. And so my life and my words need to match. And here's the other thing. I get out here and I share things with you. I say things about God. I say things about fire dwellers. I say things about leadership. I say things about code. I mean, I have to, if I'm saying it to the world on a social media platform, I am going to be held accountable for the words I say. I have a lot of life to match up to words, right? And so I want you to think about that. And the one takeaway I want you to do from your life and words to match is I want you to start saying the things in your words that you want your life to match. Too many of us hide out there about not proclaiming or naming or saying something that they want or something that they want to do or something that they believe in. But if you profess it, there's, there's a bigger chance that you're going to live it. And you're going to back it up, right? That's number one. Number two, justice. Reject dishonest gains. Right here, it says in, 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 this, in Isaiah 33, 15, he who despises the gain of oppression, right? Rejects dishonest gains. I want you to understand, second trait of being a fire dweller is justice. Dishonest gains are not good. I know that sometimes things fall our way, a lost item or something of that nature. It's very small. But are you one of those people that literally tries to find the owner? Are you one of those people that calls the police to return something? Uh, uh, are you one of those people that really does take it seriously of rejecting dishonest gains, right? I know a lot of us, let me just give you one of those foremost that we really, really take advantage of and it's, it's taxes. You know, we're constantly trying to find the, the line that's legal and not legal and it's there. You know, are you the guy, the person that takes cash and doesn't pay taxes on it, rejects dishonest gains? You know, it's a little thing. I'm not condemning anybody that's done it. I'm just saying that I want you to think about what dishonest gains means. Where, where is your line of dishonest gains? A fire dweller, a dweller of the fire, the everlasting burning fire, is laid out in, here in Isaiah. Number one, integrity. Number two, justice rejects the dishonest gains. Number three, conviction. Conviction. Here we go. Uh, conviction. Values will not allow to accept bribes. It says it right in here. 
Isaiah 33, 14 through 16, refusing bribes. I mean, just literally calls it out and says bribes. So bribing was a big deal back 700 years before Christ. Think about it. bribing's been around a long time. So you're not going to get away from someone trying to bribe you sometime in your life over something or holding something for you against somebody else or holding something against somebody else to help you, right? Bribing means to pay you off, to buy your to buy your vote, to buy your preference, to buy your to buy your uh, um, appreciation when you they don't deserve it. Right? Values will not allow them to accept bribes. You cannot be paid off. You, Even though it's an easy check or it's something of that nature, I know we've all been there for little things. And so I want you to understand, let's start with the little things. If, if, you, if you can push away small bribes, you're going to have practice in pushing away larger bribes, right? Conviction. Number three, conviction. Number four, positive focus. Positive focus. Right? A leader refuses to dwell on destructive issues. Right? If you're just catching up right now, number one, a leader refuses to not have his life and words not match. Number two, a, a leader has justice and rejects dishonest gains. Number three, a leader has conviction and has values that will not accept bribes from Isaiah 33, 14 through 16. And number four, a leader has positiveness. A fire dweller leader, a fire dweller, one who has chose Christ, has chosen God in their life to lead forward as a fire dweller as laid out in Isaiah 33, 14 through 16 has chosen positiveness. They have that trait of positiveness. Positiveness, positive positive focus, right? Refuses to dwell on destructive issues. Positive focus is someone who refuses to dwell on destructive issues. Come on now, somebody, you need to understand that you have a lot of positive things going on in your life and you have some negative things going on. And then you have some things that are destructive. Some things that really are tearing you down and destroying you. I don't want you to focus on those. I need you to push those away. They're not helping you, right? Stay positive. Look at the bright side. Manage down the bad things. Manage out the bad things. Stay on the focus. Fire dwellers have positive focus. They're positiveness. Number five. Pure. Fire dwellers are pure. They discipline their minds to remain clean and pure. A fire dweller disciplines their mind to remain pure and clean. Now listen, Wired Differently has been teaching on this from day one, from 2018. You read my first book, my second book, my third book. We are talking about programming that subconscious to be pure. Our defaults need to be good. And if we're running those good thoughts, pure thoughts, godly thoughts, those fire dweller thoughts through our subconscious on a regular basis with our devotionals in the morning and our readings in the evening and the things that we're doing, we're programming, we're downloading the goodness, then the positivity is going to work and the pureness of our thoughts will work. 
that will work automatically. It clearly talks about it right there. Disciples, they discipline their minds to remain clean and pure. Are you disciplining your minds to be pure and clean? I want that to be number five. And number six, as we close this thing out this morning, secure. Fire dwellers are secure. Fire dwellers are secure. What are they secure in, Todd? Well, I'm going to tell you what they're secure in. They're secure. They're firm and stable in their identity and secure in their strength. Right. I love closing on that one. I love what we're doing this morning. And I got to tell you, this fire dweller right here, I'm raising my hand. I'm a fire dweller. I'm an in the everlasting burning. That's me. And I want you to raise your hand and say, you are one of those people as well. But I have got to get to the house and help my dad because his house is not on fire, but it's on flood. So we want to get there, but I just want to make sure you knew how much I appreciate you and you knew how much I care about the consistency, right? And the conviction I have with this. And I'm going to run these through for you. One, The six traits of you being fire dwellers is, is one, integrity, justice, conviction, positive focus, pure and secure. It's been a great morning this week. I had a whole video. I'm so sorry. I wanted to show it to you. And guess what? Monday's going to be a great day. Thank you for watching the show yesterday, watching it Wednesday, Tuesday and Monday. We had a great week. So listen, I want you guys to understand how important you are to me. I want you to understand how important the show is. we got a lot of great things coming on. But let me just remind you, let's do this leadership thing called life together, wired differently. And trusting God today. God bless you guys. This has been the Wired Differently Experience. W-D.